All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for our time so far uh, this morning. And uh, we were reminded in the Psalms at the very beginning, Lord, this is a time of rejoicing. We should be glad that we're here. And Lord, as we turn our attention now to your word, Lord, we're so thankful and we're so glad for your word. And we rejoice that you've given us your truth. And uh, we rejoice that as we hear and obey and apply your word into our lives, you transform us. And so thank you, Father, for your word. And, and now as we open it, I ask once again that through the power of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the teacher, that uh, you would help us to understand. And then beyond that, to apply uh, your word as you speak to our hearts uh, this morning. So, Lord, we love you and uh, commit the rest of our time together into your hands. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So you saw the pictures of Workday. And uh, at the end of Workday, as we were kind of hanging out, I was uh, chatting with someone, and they shared with me that they, they sort of uh, had a debate, a little bit of a struggle yesterday morning in coming to Workday. Uh, and we, we chatted a little bit, and they shared, and something that, that was very, very profound and, and, and really touched my heart that I've been thinking about since that conversation all day yesterday and, and uh, all last night and even this morning. Chatted with them again this morning. They said, well, you know, we're, uh, we're kind of like struggling with coming. You know, I had to do the laundry. I had a lot of stuff on my schedule, you know. But then, but then this person says, but we needed to be here. But we needed to be here. And see, as a pastor, and you know, I've told you before, words are very important, right? So this person says, but we needed to be here. And, and the word that resonated that, that's been in my, in my heart and in my mind since, since that conversation was need. They needed to be here. And if you recall, when we were talking about the, the work day, it wasn't a high-end sales pitch. You need to come. If you really love Jesus, you'll be here. You know, we didn't, we didn't do that. We didn't try to coerce you. We didn't try to get, you know, you're going to get brownie points, you know, and, and you're not going to have a whole buffet. We didn't try to coerce you. We didn't try to heavy hand you. We just said, hey, we're doing this. God, God blessed us with this facility and, and as his children and as a local body that has the privilege of meeting here, we, it's just come time to take care of business. And we just kind of left it at that. I had no clue who was going to show up. We didn't take sign-ups. Nothing. You know, Saturday night, I'm throwing all these tools and extension cords in my truck, not even knowing if they're going to be used. And lo and behold, 20 plus, 20 plus, you saw all the people in the pictures came and did the inside here, did all of this out here. Just beautiful, beautiful. Not only blessed us, but blessed Wesleyan Church, blessed the neighborhood. We did the hedges out here, everything, right? And, and I had this conversation and someone says, we needed to be here. Wow, that's humbling for me. That's humbling for us as a leadership to hear somebody say, a work day, right? If you've been in church any, any length of time, work day is not on the top of your hoo-hoo list, right? Potluck, yes. Work day, eh, not so much, you know? We need to be at the potluck, right? But they needed to be here. And then, and then, and then, and it's just like a mulling this need, need, need. Lord, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. Someone felt like they needed to be here. Right? 
And, 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 and so I, 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 I had to ask, I said, what did you mean by that? I asked this morning, what did, can you help me understand, what did you mean by that need? Why did you say need? Right? And, and, and in a nutshell, this person said, well, the church is my life. It's, it, it, it's, it's an integral part of my life. It, we're family. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. You see, the, 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 the perception of the church and then the heart for the church manifested itself naturally in, in action. Right? Remember, weeks ago he said, guard your heart for out of it flow all the issues of life, including work days. And so, so this wonderful conversation, I mean, I, uh, in 20 years of ministry, I'm just like, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. Because cause someone has, has, has understood the, the teaching on covenant, and then Bill's teaching on covenant this way, and what it means to be a part of the community of believers that called the church, right? And loving one another in practical ways. And, and church is no longer just an addendum, just a, a, an aside, just a convenience thing. Now church is broadening into, oh, there's a work day. I guess we, got to, we need to be there as much as we need to wash our cars, as much as we need to do the laundry. It, it's just part of life. Wow. I was just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, and, and someone else said, you know, they were tired, had worked a long week, and, and had a conversation with Nadine and, and chatting about why they came. And very short answer. We're family. That was the answer. Why did you come? I know you're tired. And we're family. So... This, this, this idea of, of what happens in our life when we understand covenant with God and we understand covenant as a church family, you, you see how things just follow? Things just follow and, and, and there's an overflow, there's fruit. The Bible calls it fruit. The Bible calls it fruit, right? And Bill spent uh, a lot of time two weeks ago talking about what it means to be in covenant with the local body. Right? We shared, you're not going to hear the word membership here. You're not going to hear the word membership. Uh, A, because in our culture, mem- membership implies Costco and 24-hour fitness and something that you can sort of pick or not to take advantage of at your convenience or whatever. Uh, but we're in covenant because the Bible speaks of covenant relationships. Covenant relationships. And, and so we're in, we're in a covenant relationship with God. We spent all summer talking about that. And then we transitioned into covenant relationship this way what does that mean to be in covenant right and it was it was a wonderful uh, study bill and thank you so much for for sharing that and and something that that bill said in his message that he said over and over from beginning to the end was the basis of covenant this way and horizontally in a local church is love love and 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 i want to i want us to spend the next few few sundays talking about this idea of love Biblical love, and what does that mean in the context of the church? Of the church, right? How many would say, "I love the church"? See, that's kind of a weird question, right? Okay, how many of you love God? How many of you love Jesus? How many of you love Scripture? How many of you love potlucks? How many of you love the church? Are we supposed to love the church? 
You ever hear that phrase, uh, I love you, but I don't really like you very much, or I like you, but I don't you know, however you say that, right? So this, we have this, in, the, in, in, in the, the fellowship of believers, when it comes to church, there's this, there's this kind of sometimes weird dynamic that happens. We love Jesus, but the church? Right? And in, in fact, if you, if you go to Christian bookstores, you'll see titles. People selling books. I love Jesus. I don't like the church. You hear, so, you hear like that. It's, it's very common, right? Or people, it, 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 there's this thing out there in, 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 in the world of church. I, I, I don't need to go. I don't need to be connected. I don't need to be in covenant. There's my church right there. Channel whatever. Every Sunday. Right? And so this idea of... of how are you supposed to feel about the church? The church. Now, now, when I say that, and when I refer to church for, for our time together, here's what I want you to define that as. The big church, which is made up of who? All believers, right? The universal church. But then I want you to bring it down to uh, the local body that you're connected, you're in covenant with. It could be this one. It could be, you know, I was at Calvary. There's a lot of people committed to Calvary, Right? So when I say church, and when I talk about loving the church, I want you to start big, the universal church. Do you love the universal church? Do you love the local body of believers? Do you love it? Do you love? Right? First John, let's, look, let's just kind of kick off. First John 4. We'll start in First John 4. On your notes, I went 5, 1, 2, 1, starting in First John 5. But you can put 419 as a starting point. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his what? Brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves what? His child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commands. Based on those verses, is it possible to love Jesus and not the church? No. Biblically, if you say you're a Christian, if you say you love God, you love Jesus, you love your Heavenly Father, these verses tell you right now, well, then you better love the church. You can't separate them. What's one of the word pictures of the body of Christ? Who's the head of the body? Jesus. The church is His body. You can't separate those two. They go together. So this idea that I love Jesus but not the church is not biblical. And those verses are pretty, right? Everyone who believes that Jesus, verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ born of God, okay, if you're a believer, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And his children are who? The church. Okay, so we, we just got to put that, we got to put that to rest. This idea of, uh, you know, Jesus and me. I'm a Lone Ranger Christian. I'm just kind of float around, church hop, you know, slide in, slide out, and kind of just dance. But in the end, I'm really doing my thing. You can't... These verses tell us if you profess to love Jesus, you are to love his body, your brothers and sisters. Okay? So then the question is, what kind of love? Well, I like them. 
I go from the church to church and I hug people and we catch up. Is that love? You understand what I'm saying? We have to be very, very, very clear on what kind of love he's calling us to have, right? And so let's turn to First Peter. Turn about two books to your left. First Peter one twenty two. Peter's talking to the church, believers. Okay? It says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. In the English, it's kind of a challenge because you say, okay, so we, we love. Now he's just telling us to love. What's going on here? What he says in there, he says, hey, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that that sincere love, we've talked about this before. If you're, if you're comfortable taking notes, writing your Bible, put phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, Philadelphia, which is the city of what? Brotherly love. Now that you are part of the body of Christ, now that you are unified, you kind of have what we call phileo love. Affection. That's what I call potluck love. You like hanging out with each other. You, you enjoy each other's company. You can do a work day together in a sense. You, you, you just kind of like each other. So turn to the person next to you and say, I like you, right? I like you, right? You're right? Some of you are like, eh, right? So, by virtue of, of the commonality we share of our identity in Christ, Scripture reading, all that kind of stuff, many things that we share in common, we have phileo love, affection. I like hanging out with you. So the problem with that, though, it's all well and good, but it can become self-centered. I like you. You make me happy. I like your company. It's really all about me if we're not careful, right? So affection, brotherly love, phileo love, good start. Good start. Here, if you're new, we have donuts and um, fruit and, all, and a whole bunch of stuff left over in the fellowship hall. So we leave here and then we go phileo some more over there, right? Right? So that's brotherly love, okay? But he says this. Okay, now that you have brotherly love, check this out. Now that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. What? Does that just mean we, do, we, we need to go here with more phileo? No, in the original, that's another word. It's agape. Okay, so if, that's what's happening. All right, and then, and then I put in your notes the definition. Agape love is self-sacrificial love that seeks the highest good for another person. It's based on the preciousness of the other person. So here's the deal. He says, hey, church, hey, OVCF, I know you guys like hanging out. You guys do great potlucks. You go on retreats. You know, you do cookbooks. You guys are so loving and affectionate at the brother-sister level. He says, but don't end there. What you need to do, and this is what the verses where we're talking about loving God and loving, you've got to go to agape love. Hey, OVCF. Phileo is only part of it. You've got to go to agape love. You have to self-sacrificially seek the highest good for one another. Wow. Self-sacrificially. And it's not even anything I get from it. It's all about pouring into you and pouring into you. And what do you need? And how can I help you grow closer to the Lord? How can I help you? What do you need? Right? Spiritually and physically. And that's where... Some of us, we, you know, we're not gonna, there's not 
a lot in here that's hard to understand, but here's the challenge for us. Lord, do I love your church? And if I say yes, what kind of a love am I referring to? Lord, let me, let me put it more, more specifically. Lord, do I love your church with agape love? Do I love your church with agape love? Self-sacrificial love. Love that says, I want the best for you and I don't need anything in return. I'm willing to give my time, my energy, my resources, use my giftings self-sacrificially when it's inconvenient. Why? Because that's the definition of agape love. And that's what we're called to express to one another. That's the love that comes out of covenant. Get what I'm saying? That's, that's covenant love is agape love. So I put this quote here. It says, the church as the elect people of God is both organism and organization. The church is a mature living thing. Okay, so who makes up the church? The people. Right? You remember this quote? Everyone come. We've got to do it. You've got to do it. Here's a building. Come on, do this. Here's a building with or without a steeple. Open the doors. The church is the, the people. Right? What do we know about people? Careful now. What do we know about people? Yikes. Okay, we have a yikes. What do we know about the people that make up the church? They're fallen. They're not perfect. They're different. We all have something still remaining in us. Sin nature still... We're all, in the, we're all in the process of sanctification, right? So the church is made up of fallen, broken people that are in the process of sanctification. That's not even going to be done until we get to heaven, this building, right? So here's the thing. God calls us to agape a whole bunch of broken, fallen, imperfect right that's a pretty big calling that's a pretty pretty big calling especially in our culture especially in the church culture where where there's a lot of hindrances and obstacles to our view of church right i put them here right consumerism invaded the church we go from church to church shopping for the church that meets our needs they call it muck church Right? We want the best music. We want the best speaker. We want the best children's program. And we're church hopping and we're consuming. We're consumers. How can it meet my need? I'm not being fed. I don't like this. I don't like that. Right? So there's this consumerism that can affect our agape. Right? And then I put there complaining or criticism. Some people think that's a spiritual gift. My role. In this church is to let the leadership know everything they're doing wrong. I didn't ask for the gift. I just like to exercise it. You know what I mean, right? It's like we get in this role if we're not careful that, that it's armchair quarterbacking. Right? We sit back and we just sort of, oh, too loud. Not so sure about that drummer. Hmm. You know what I mean? And we, 
right? If we're not careful, we, we, we begin to approach church instead of loving critical. Critical. And somehow that, I don't, I, I don't really understand that. You know, because if you're on this side of the mic and you're on this side of serving and you become part of the part of the solution and part of the body, you realize I don't have time to complain. I'm just too busy doing God's work. You know what I mean? And so and so we have to guard against complaining and criticism and just feeling like it's our place just to point out all the. You know, it's a given. It's a given. It's going to be imperfect. Let's just say amen to that. All right. It's a given. I'm going to blow it. I mean, when we first started the church, I said, hey, I'm an imperfect pastor, and there's going to be times when I might say things that I have to apologize for. And I said it that night. And I had to apologize to Travis the next Saturday night because, you know, I, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. It's a given. It's a given. I, 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 I share with you before, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. If you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? You'll mess it up. We just got to just, just come down a little bit. Remember who the church is, right? Okay, so, so that can be a hindrance to, to love is this. We decide we're going to be complainers and critics, you know. Disillusionment and fear. And I'm very sensitive to this. Some of us have been wounded, okay? And some of us are just, we're, we're just scared about another church experience. This thing we call church. And that can take a lot of different forms. I understand that. In fact, I'll tell you, this church was birthed out of that. And I believe that God has led us very uh, gingerly and very tenderly, baby step by baby step, because he understood um, that at a certain point uh, there are people who were wounded and, and just weren't plugged in and this came about. This came about. Uh, be quite honest with you, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't start out wanting to start a church. If, if, in case you're wondering. There was a time in my life when I went into transition, and, and you know why we started at Cindy's? Because God put on my heart that there were friends, brothers and sisters, that for whatever reason weren't plugged in somewhere. And I said, that's not right. That's not good. That's not healthy. Let's just start a Bible study. And lo and behold, here we are, right? So I'm very sensitive to, to one of the obstacles to, to agape love and just investing yourself. Is it, it, you, you, disillusionment, fear, okay. You gotta, you, that's something, I'm just putting these out there so you can ask the Lord. Lord, show me. Show me how to work through this. Individualism. Being in a community, self-sacrificial giving, needing to be here, right? That's countercultural. Let's just say right now you're swimming upstream from, from what society says as a whole, right? It's my time. Saturday, I worked all week. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's my time. It, it, it's my money. It's my resources. It's my church. And so this idea of, of embracing self-sacrificially others, that's just, that goes right across, you know, right in the face of individualism. So that's another obstacle, individualism. I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody, right? I don't need anybody. And then maybe the last one is just straight-up rebellion. Yeah, I know, but. 
And if you weed through it, in the end, it's just, but I don't want to. Right? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. We've looked at this so many times. Don't forsake the gathering because there's a purpose. But this, don't forsake the gathering of believers. In the end, some people don't plug in, don't, don't express agape love, don't even commit to covenant to a local body. In the end, they just don't want to. That's a heart issue. It's, just, it's a rebellion. They know what God's Word says. And you might, they might even tell you, I know. I know. <sighs> this might be rebellion for whatever reason. So those are obstacles. I put those out there. I know, see, you're here. And I know many of you, and you were here yesterday expressing agape love. So I'm kind of preaching to the choir. But I share this with you, and I believe God wants us to remind us of this because, A, we go through seasons in our life, right? And, B, God might use you to encourage a brother and sister who's not plugged in somewhere. You might be the conduit to share what you're learning. You've got to remember that, okay? So, next one in there, it says, loving the church is not. Everyone say not. Not, 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 not. Primarily based on who? The pastor, the programs, or the people. Really? You mean I'm not supposed to decide to plug in to a, one of the churches in the valley based on that's not the primary basis? Oh. Why is it very dangerous to base where you plug into on those three things? They're all flawed. It's based on people, not the love of Christ, right? I appreciate the affirmation I get from you guys in, in, in the gifting I have to, to speak and you know teach and all that. But please don't, don't put all your eggs in the basket and being committed here because of me. I do my best. I, 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 you know, I understand the calling, Timothy, Titus, and, and all of that. I, I accept that. That was just part of the deal. But, you know, we used to joke, Carl made me a, a mug when we first started. It said, Richie's Church. And I said, oh, please don't say this is Richie's Church. And we, we, we told you guys week after week, don't go in the valley and say this is Richie's Church. I don't want that. <laughs> That's not, this is not my church. Right? So, because I understand my own limitations. And I understand the, the, the very distinct possibility that I can step on toes. The very distinct possibility that, but for him and for him and for Chaz and our accountability board in, in, in the flesh, I can go that way. With God's grace, I put people around me to prevent that. Okay? The programs. We do our best here to, you know, and we're still developing men's, women's, all this kind of stuff. If you're looking to a church to meet your need for programming, you're going to be disappointed too. There's no way that we can meet the needs of every single person in here perfectly. It's just, it's just a literal impossibility to have a men's ministry that every man likes, a women's ministry that every woman likes, a children's ministry that every parent just goes, awesome, right? No. When, when you've been in ministry as long as I have, you just understand. You do your best. You present and, you, and you, you're faithful, but at a certain point you can't satisfy everybody. And it's a trap. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. Okay? And the people. We love each other here. We have a great time, meet and greet. 
all this kind of stuff. But the people in here are what? People. In process. Everyone say, in process. And then say, just like me. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> right? Look, we're all in process. We're all in this process of sanctification. And if we can just, everyone take a deep breath. And let it out slowly. Okay. We're all in this together. Amen? Okay. These things are important. Yes. I'm not saying you discount those, but they can't be the primary basis for why you connect and love and, and enter into covenant with the church. They're, they're factors. But, but the number one, and we're going to look today, we love the church, big church, all the way down to your local body. You love the church because Jesus loves the church. That is why you love the church. That's the, that's the answer. Okay. Why do you love the church? Because Jesus loved the church. Now, this became very real to me uh, about two weeks ago. I asked my wife. I said, honey, if we, weren't in, if we weren't in ministry, we were just normal Joes, just not in ministry, no title, no nothing, would we go to church every Sunday? If we, if we, we somehow we, we were in, we were civilians, right? Somehow we were civilians and, and we had this discussion. I was like, what would we do? Would we attend church? Would we serve? What kind of, what kind of Christians in our relationship with church would we be? It was a very fascinating challenge for me to go back. And that's kind of the genesis of this. I went all the way back to, you know, consumer. I, I, I was guilty of a lot of that stuff. What kind of church would we go to? What would we look for? We went through this process really as civilians, asking us, well, what kind would we be? How committed would we be? Right? And, and I, walked, I was walking backwards and backwards, and then I asked myself, well, why? What's the biblical basis for us even loving the church? If, I, if we strip it all away, and he brought me to this. So he turned to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, we love the church. Why? Why do we love the church? Because Jesus loves the church. That's why you love the church. Because Jesus loves the church. Right? Now, in context, we often, we're going to read these passages, and oftentimes we jump right to, oh, it's about husbands and wives. It's really not. It's really not. Right? At the core. So it says, we'll start in Ephesians 5. We'll read starting verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water, through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. In that passage, he uses the relationship of Christ to the church to teach marriage relationships. But we oftentimes discount all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, husbands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, wives. The core of this passage is the relationship of Jesus to the church. 
Jesus the bridegroom, right, referred to as the bridegroom by John the Baptist. He even calls himself the bridegroom. And the church is called his what? Bride. We're the bride. He's the bridegroom, right? So at the very end of those last two verses in your notes, it's a covenant relationship, right? He says, hey, and the, the people who read this, marriage back then was not a contract, as Bill said. It was a covenant. So all of a sudden, he's like, hey, He's equating covenant marriage to Jesus and his bride. They're in covenant. So if you're a believer, you're in covenant. You're in covenant with with Jesus, okay, with God, right? And then he says this. Let's get in verse 25. We'll walk through some, some aspects of Jesus' love for the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, this is where, again, we've talked about covenant. Keep your finger there. Flip over to Acts 20:28 20, really quick. I love this verse. Acts 20:28. 20, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Wow. See, this is, this is an admonition to, to the leadership, the, church, the, 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 the shepherds of this church. He says, hey, Richie, Bill, and Tyler, you know that body, that church body that you shepherd? Don't ever forget it was purchased with the blood of Jesus. It's his church. And he gave himself sacrificially for it. Now, why is this important to understand? Well, we've got to go one step further. If we're going to love each other the way Christ loves the church, what was the condition of the church when Jesus died? What was our condition when Jesus died? We were sinners. Okay, we were spiritually dead. Okay, let's put it in this. Let me, let me explain it this way. How many of you have seen commercial for Match.com? Christian Mingle? eHarmony? What do they try to do in those, in those systems? You answer a whole bunch of questions, and they try to what? Match you with what? Your mate. Someone who, in their, in their analysis, fits, right? All your likes, your personality. It's a, it's a good match, right? How did Jesus pick his bride? And what was her condition? Isn't that amazing? Think about that. The bride of Christ. He calls us his bride. On the front end of this relationship, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says you were spiritually dead. The Bible says you were enemies of God. Put in in our term, we are very unattractive, unlovable, mean, ornery, Let's match those two up. Right? Christ loves his church. Christ loves his bride passionately. And she wasn't anything to really look at on the front end. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that helps us to give grace to each other. Because then, Diana, you don't have to meet all my criteria. Oh, now I love you. 
And Scott, as long as we jive here, da, 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 oh, okay. Now I can agape love you because you meet my needs and you, you meet my profile for someone I can agape. No. Jesus demonstrated agape love to a church that still wanders away. That still forgets him. That still isn't, he's, he puts him way down here. And it's a wonderful thing if we understand his sacrificial love for an unlovable church. Isn't that awesome? That's the agape love. That's the heart of self-sacrificial love is Jesus' example. And if we did that here, and we are doing it here, ah, how many of you have found this a place where you can, to a much greater degree, be yourself? Okay. We keep going. Let's read uh, verse uh, 26. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, any other blemish, but holy and blameless, right? And then he says down in verse uh, 29, After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Feeds and cares for it. One word says nourishes. So Jesus says, hey, church, my bride, through the teaching of the word, I'm making her, I'm sanctifying her. And in Revelation says one day we're going to be there. Right? We're all in process. We're all in process. And then he says, he teaches, he nourishes and cares for it presently. That's our example. Our example at this church is we're going to, okay, Jesus, you sacrificially gave yourself to a church that was unlovable. Okay, Jesus, we're going to give each other grace because we're all in the process of sanctification like you're doing to your church. And Jesus, you say you nourish and care for your church. We're going to nourish and care for one another. So why do we love the church? Because Jesus loves the church. That's why you should love the church. Now, here's a challenge. We'll close with John. uh, Let's turn to John 13. We'll close with this and we'll do communion. John 13. The great news is if we do this, by default, we're a testimony to the world. By default, we're a testimony. John 13:34. A new command I give you. Love one another. Agape. As I have what? Loved you. So you must love one another. That's what we just read in Ephesians. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you want, love one another. So here's the radical thing. If we love the church because Jesus loved the church, if we demonstrate agape love within the church, the world gets testimony. People walk in here and go, man, what's up with you guys? This is radically different. And it's not just phileo love. They're like, you guys really love each other sacrificially? Yeah. You gave up your Saturday? Yeah. You move people? Yeah. You do things in people's houses when they... Yeah. What? And that's the testimony. That's the simplicity of the testimony. So here's the challenge. And this is something I have to work through. And I'm going to put it out to you. Don't, don't dismiss this. Do you love the church? Do you love the church? And, and that's your... Not are you committed, not do you serve, not do you give, not do you attend, but do you love the church? And if that, I want to challenge you. How does a bridegroom love his wife, his bride? 
There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of, oh, do you love the church? Do you love it? And that's going to be, man, if, if, if you get there, your time, your priorities, your commitments, everything's going to follow. Just like the person who said, oh, we needed to be here. Do you love the church, the bride of Christ? Do you love the church as Jesus loves the church? That's, 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 that's what God says to all of us this week as we leave here. Do you love my church? Do you love my church? Okay, Let's pray, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the example of Jesus who loved us while we were yet sinners. Unlovable, unattractive. And yet he died willingly and says, by faith in me, you'll be my church. You'll be my bride. And I will love you with a steadfast love. I will nourish you. I will care for you. And I'm going to work in you. And one day I'm going to present you holy and blameless. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And if we've been struggling in our life with loving your church, Lord, convict us. Help us in the power of the Holy Spirit just to yield this area to you. Creating us through your Spirit, the fruit of love. Love for your church because you love the church, Jesus. You love the church. Despite all its failures, despite all its shortcomings, despite all its wanderings, you love the church. And you call us to do the same. So we're thankful for this local body. And as we prepare for communion, we are reminded of your love that makes this all possible. Jesus' name. Amen.